This morning, everyone. It is Wednesday, August 24, the Big Sports Breakfast, Sky Sports Radio. And good morning, wherever and however you're listening. Plenty of news around today, particularly in regards to, well, some big names and contracts, the likes of Cameron Munster, even Latrell Mitchell, and who they're being linked to and uh, what's happening with their respective situations. you got Andrew Fafita set to leave Cronulla at the end of the season. Hasn't announced his retirement, though, but his time at the Sharks set to come to an end. The teams are out for round 24. Some big names coming back as we uh, head into the penultimate round of the home and away season. Nick Kyrgios. Well, the fan that he called in the Wimbledon final was called out to the umpire that uh, said she looked like she was drunk out of her mind and that she'd had about 700 drinks. Chose a bad target because she's a lawyer. A Polish lawyer. So guess what? She's taking legal action against him. Morning to you, Pup. How are you? Uh, morning, Mido. <laughs> morning, Loz. Morning to our listeners. Yep. Uh, Pick the wrong one out of everyone in the crowd. Yeah, Polish happened, lawyer. Happened to get a lawyer. Mm. Uh, so she's suing him for what? Uh, defamation. Say, saying she was drunk when she wasn't. Defamation, yes. She's yeah, saying it's caused her great hurt and harm, oh, etc. Says mate. she'll donate any damages to charity as well. So, okay. Uh, defamation. Okay. Well, mm. I wonder I, I wish, though. I wish her luck. Because he, since then, on court, he's been more reserved than him. normal. I, I reckon he's known it. This is coming. Oh, it would, it would have just arrived in the mail today <laughs> saying, guess what? Here's your papers. I'll see you in court. He would have had mm. a rough idea. Or his manager certainly would have had a rough idea a while back. Um, yeah, either way. Oh, man, I don't know. I think that whole carry-on was, yeah, didn't need to happen. But really? She's suing him for defamation? Yeah. Come on. Yeah, I- I reckon, I, reckon I, got, I reckon I got a few stories where I should have sued for defamation a little more than being told I was drunk when I wasn't. I love how she says as well, I'm not normally a litigi- litigious person. Oh. She's a lawyer. Mate. Please. Laws of morning to you, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, boys. Um, I reckon James Tamu would be happy today. Um, he had his two-game ban reduced and downgraded the charge last night at the NRL Judiciary, so he's able to play one more game for the West Tigers when they take on the Raiders in the last round at Leichhardt Oval. Um, he got off, um, and I, I, I didn't think he'd have a chance of getting off Jimmy for what he said. He called the referee effing incompetent, um, but the panel members have found that it wasn't uh, as bad as some of the other language that's been used towards referees um, and they've allowed him to play. So good on him. He's a good man, Jimmy Tamu, uh, but I thought he had no hope in hell uh, getting that downgraded, but he's fought it, he's got off and he's allowed to finish his career at the Tigers uh, against the Canberra Raiders. Yep, so that's a one-week suspension. So he'll play in what is the final game of the home and away season, 4 o'clock next Sunday at Leichhardt against the Raiders. Do you reckon he could get picked up elsewhere, Loz? Is he uh, got that sort of value in the NRL still or is his best chance to maybe try and get something in the Super League? I think his best chance is probably in the Super League. And again, it'll come back to price and where your club is at. Jimmy is a... Well, he's developed into a wonderful leader. Um, and if you're a club that is looking for a few senior players that are just going to play a bits and pieces role and to establish a team identity and DNA, uh, Jimmy would be someone at the right price that you could look at. You know, he's probably not going to play every game for you every year. He's not going to be that that um, warrior that you're, you're looking for, that, you know, that, that aggressive front rower. But if you're looking for someone to set some standards in terms of training, what a professional looks like, um, and do his job out there on the football field, I think he might get picked up uh, by a club. But I think his best chance now is probably English Super League, but there's probably a club out there that would look at him, you know, possibly even the Dolphins, someone like that. You know, They're looking for players. You can never have too uh, many uh, experienced players, depending on what their depth chart is uh, in the forwards. But you know, he possibly could get picked up up there. Clark, I'm sure I saw somewhere yesterday, I think Wild Board of Sports might have posted it, seven years retired to the day. Yeah, I did see that. Seven no, years. I know, I know, I know, I know. yesterday. Yep, 2015 15 in England. 
after we lost the Ashes. How long does it feel like? Uh, About seven years? Yeah, if anything, maybe a bit longer. I feel old at the moment. Maybe feel like you did retire, you know, pretty young for today's. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, think, I think I, and I remember at the time as well, even talking to my old man and talking to Warney because Warney was in England at, at the time. He was really the only one I'd, I'd spoken to about what I was feeling. Um, <clears throat> and that was the only thing they both said to me. They said, look, just as long as you're not making this decision emotionally because you've just lost the Ashes series and you, you know, you thought you had a good enough team to win. So even if, you know, if you need to take a bit more time to be sure about it, do that. If you don't, if you are sure about it, then, then go for it. And again, I think with my body, you know, I had back injury my whole career, tore both hammies a number of times, um, at that stage, um, my ex-wife was only months away from giving birth to my daughter, and I knew I'd, I knew I wouldn't be able to mentally be able to give cricket everything I had once she was born because I, I would have found it hard to travel away from her. Um, so I had that. I, I still don't think I'd, I'd grieve completely the loss of Philip Hughes. Um, and, you know, him having that accident on a cricket field, I think that probably just put, you know, a tiny bit of doubt into my subconscious where, you know, I think one of my strengths when I was playing, because I was always quite little compared to, um, you know, fast bowlers particularly, was I, I, I was never scared. I never feared someone bowling fast to me. I never feared someone bowling bounces to me. And I think just that, like I say, subconsciously knowing that, you know, that, one of my closest mates passed away playing that sport. It might have just been one percent where, you know, my head mightn't have got as close to the ball, or I might have just been a little bit late on on making a movement. So, I probably had a number of reasons why I thought I, I did feel it was the right time. And and that's the other thing. You know, when I look back now, I don't I don't regret my decision. I don't miss playing. So that probably tells me I did go at the right time. Um, but yeah, it's yeah amazing that seven years have passed. Um, you still feel fit and healthy. Like, that's the other thing. You watch cricket and you drive past kids playing in the morning and you still get those goosebumps or you watch something on the field, on, on the TV, and or you commentate a game and you still, you know, part of you, you, you definitely miss that adrenaline rush, the excitement, the success. Um, you miss all that. But the other thing I don't miss is the work that goes in and the work that I had to put in just to get onto the park. You know, I just, like, everyone's like, oh, why don't you come out? They've got the, so many of these, these legend leagues or, re, like, the old, <laughs> retired players leagues. Mm. And I'm like, no chance. Mm. I couldn't play. I couldn't just walk out onto a field and play either. Like, I, I would have to train. I'd want to do well. And my body is just well and truly past that, as probably my mind is as well. So you were, what, 34? And Loz, you were only 31 as well, weren't you? So you both went nice and young. Two youngsters, daily. Yeah, I, I'd had enough. Um, I think I was turning 31 that year. Um, I think I was 30 when I retired. Jeez. Um, but, you know, a lot of that was forced upon me because of injury. Um, but I must say, I, I had no regrets. Once I made that decision, I was very comfortable that I couldn't sort of play to the standard that I wanted to, and I knew it was sort of time to give it up. You both started very, very young, though, didn't you? So uh, just on the text line here, zero four one nine seven six seven two seven two, on the Tarmo situation last night at the judiciary. Hi, boys. The NRL judiciary is a joke. Brandon Smith calls ref a cheat. Tarmo calls ref incompetent. Is there a difference? Well, the judiciary said so. Uh, at one stage, this is why they gave Tarmo a downgrade, uh, is that, you know, one, by calling the ref a cheat, you, you're leaning towards integrity. Uh, so incompetent is, I guess, a less attacking word, if we can put it in that way, Loz. And that's why Jimmy Tamo did manage to get a successful downgrade. Yeah, well, well done to the, his uh, team for getting him off. But I actually thought, given the precedence, that he wouldn't get a downgrade and he would face two weeks on the sideline. But I think they've taken everything into consideration. You know, I think the fact that... He's a bit of a clean skin. He's been in the game for so long. He's a 300-game player. It's his, possibly his last season. Uh, and the fact that, you know, they, they didn't challenge his integrity. He just said that he thought he was incompetent uh, and put the F word in, in front of that. But I think there'll be a lot of officials today thinking that's not the right punishment we should be sending out. 
Uh, now, also, <laughs> just hang, hang on a second. So, as long as you choose the right words <laughs> when abusing a referee, you get away with it. Oh, well, you, well, you don't so get now, away with it. Well, you get a, get a week. You get one yeah. week. So now it's more about the education than abusing the ref. Well, yeah, that's an argument you can oh, make. Come on. So the smart dude, he gets one week. The uneducated dude who just swears and says what he wants, he's going to get two or three. Well, any or four sort of, any, in, um, from Melbourne Storm. What did um, Brandon Smith? Brandon Smith, what did he get? Four yeah, weeks. Was it three or four? So, uh, so yeah, but... Because of the choice of words, that's what made an extra two-week difference. When you attack integrity, that's what the judiciary sort of implied last night. If you attack a referee's integrity, then that is a greater offence than what James Tamo said the other night. <laughs> Mate, what about if James Tamo was playing next season? Do you think he would have got off? Do you think he would have got a downgrade? Do you that had I nothing to do with it? can't answer that question, Clarkie. Mate. And I want it's Tigers, man. I want him out there to oh, worry about yeah, that. I'm but fine I, with it. Like one week for that, especially the reward. Um, you know, straight away, he got into that news conference after the match and just threw himself at the mercy of you know what he'd done. Yeah, but even that, right in the press conference, he said, "You know what? No matter what, I, whatever my punishment is, I'm taking it. Yeah. I'm going to take my hit." Now he's at the judiciary fighting it. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's you're not taking it. No, well. You know, it could, it's a unique situation. He doesn't have a contract no, for next I, year. He's 33 I, I, years I age. agree with you 100%, and that's what I think has happened. Mm. I think the system has looked at that. I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but I'm saying there's your precedent. Uh, now, Am I grumpy this morning? Oh, just a tiny bit, mate. <laughs> go for your tiger. Uh, yeah, uh, don't worry. I want him on the field. We need him. Tamo can finish on his own terms. Headline on the back page of the Daily Telegraph. And Brad from Broadbeach says, I feel, genu- I feel genuine remorse shown by James Tamo played a big factor in the reduction. So he'll be free to play after getting the downgrade. And it did say that, Mido, as well. I was reading a report. It said, in light of the player's history and his obvious remorse and contrition, which was expressed immediately after the game, and in the course of his evidence, the panel was satisfied that there was no need for any penalty to incorporate any element of personal deterrence. The panel were, however, mindful of the necessary, uh, mindful of the necessity for any penalty uh, imposed to act as a deterrent to other players who might be minded to act in a similar way. But the panel was satisfied that the need for any penalty to reflect the general deterrence could be met by giving him a grade 2 to the offence, bearing in mind that such a grade would still result in the term of a suspension. There you go, and a few people not happy about it on the text line. Uh, morning, boys, the Tamo situation's a disgrace. If it was Joe Maria Hargreaves, he'd be getting four weeks uh, so now every player just has to say that the referees are incompetent. They'll get away with it. Nice work, NRL, says Tim the Panther. Just a reminder, he did get one week still. Uh, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> look, I know. I, I, I understand the frustration with this, but uh, I'm happy he's playing. Yeah, I'm happy I, he's that's playing. Th- I, and I think the other thing, like we've heard a number of people come out and you know talk about his record through his career. He hasn't, you know, hasn't been in this situation before in regards to speaking to referees like this. So he's got a clean rep. Um, yeah, it is a good story in regards. He does get to play one more game in the NRL. I don't think anyone's got beef with that. I just think it's it just stinks at double standards, that's all. Uh, also, back page of the Telegraph. I'm the one. Latrell won't play second fiddle to Munster if Dolphins call. So... Well, firstly, we'll start off with Cameron Munster. So last night on NRL 360 on Fox League, Braithen Astor, who, of course, is the manager of Cameron Munster, confirmed that the Storm have sharpened the pencil to try and keep Munster. And Astor wouldn't be drawn on whether it's a million bucks a season, but he said in his direct quote, it's put them well and truly back in the frame. That uh, means there'll be less for others, though, at the Storm that they're negotiating with. And naturally, the Storm want this done by November 1. So... The Courier-Mail and News Corp coming out in regards to the Dolphins and Wayne Bennett saying he's interested in Latrell Mitchell. No shock there for 2024 when he is off contract. Uh, should he be on the open market November 1, though, Bennett was at pains to say in this article, there's talk of three-year deal at $1.3 million a season. He's on reportedly $850,000 at Souths at the moment. But Latrell in this article sort of says... Tongue-in-cheek, a bit of a joke. 
He can't be second choice, and he won't be second choice. So, rightio, if you're the Dolphins, Munster or Mitchell? Well, Wayne Bennett has said straight out that Cameron Munster's their priority. Loz, yeah, he's you... a Queenslander. He's a Queenslander. And the fact that Latrell likes to get up to his property at Taree, which is only, what, a couple of hours from Sydney, uh, I think Latrell's preference would be to stay with South. And I don't think South will be letting Latrell Mitchell go anytime soon. Uh, unless they lowball him, which I don't think they will, Latrell will be staying at South Sydney. Cameron Munster, um, I don't know whether he'll go to the Dolphins or stay with Melbourne. Um, I still think he's got a leaning towards heading home. But if if there's opportunities for life after football for Cameron in Melbourne, I, I, I think that might be an attraction to him. I'm just unsure how this is all going to play out because financially I think the Dolphins will trump Melbourne. Uh, but it'll be up to Cameron, I think, to decide what he would want to do with life after football and what the opportunities will be. I think that's something he'll take into consideration uh, because I think this contract will see his probably football career out and then it'll be up to him to decide what he wants to do with life after footy and who's got the best opportunity to offer him to do something. What do you reckon he'll do, Pup? Does he stay in Melbourne? And remember, Craig right. Bellamy's probably, Craig Bellamy said what last week heading into the Broncos game that next year's probably it for him. So, new coach. I think his partner, and uh, I think they've given birth, oh, just had their first She's child. She's from the Sunshine to. Coast, I think. She's from the sunny coast as well. Mm. So, you're thinking that, you know, Redcliffe, northern Brisbane pocket close to the, I the sunny coast. I think he'll, he'll go for the money because the, the money, there'll be a significant, even if it's 300 grand a year, it's still significant if this is his last contract. So, I think he'll go. I think it's, it would be best for his football to stay in Melbourne. I don't know how he's going to go being the face of the Dolphins up in, in Queensland. I, I think what that brings a lot more eyeballs on you. That brings a lot more pressure off the field. Um, and I think we've already seen that's the part of his game or part of his life that needs probably less people staring at him um, and more protection. And I think in Melbourne, he's hidden a lot more than he's going to be up in Queensland. Queensland is going to be, it's going to be Adam Reynolds. He's going to be billboards everywhere. Everywhere he goes, people are going to be watching him. Um, more sponsorship, more endorsement, more expectation. And I, I think that's a massive risk for, for Cameron Munster. More post-career opportunity potentially, though, as well. Yeah, maybe. He's a Queenslander. Yeah, yeah. but I think he'll, if he decides to finish his career in Melbourne, plays the way he's been playing for Queensland in origin, man, he can fly to Queensland anytime he wants and he'll get a job easily. I just think he's, there's more risk of him... Blowing his reputation by going to Queensland. I, I just I don't think he's the type of person that needs more attention. Okay, you're in the the, the backyard. No, well you you're coaching a team, Group Forty Eight. You've got Cameron Munster and Latrell Mitchell there. You're only picking one. Who are you picking? Well, who's my who's mother? No, no. <laughs> who's, I need to know I'm mother crop. That. I need to know mother crop. Do I, do I need that. a six or do I need a one? I, I want to know who. You're neither, neither of them are my captain. Put it that way. Yeah, but who are you picking? Or well, you're starting a team tomorrow. It's got to play in the NRL. You got the choice of one. I'm probably like Loz said. I'm probably going for Munster because he's Queensland. So I think he brings more uh, attraction on and off the field as a, a local boy. I didn't give the Queensland perimeter though. Like just, just as an absolute footballer, you got to pick one of them. Remember, Latrell's a little bit younger. Munster's still under thirty though. Oh so, uh, man, I don't really know. Scissors paper rock. They're both great. They're Lo- two greats of the game. There you go. Loz, can you pick one? Oh, it's like picking your favourite kid, isn't it? Really, you'd be what? happy to miss out. You'd be happy to have the the second choice. Yeah, either or. Um, oh, look, I, I think. Latrell probably because he's younger, um, it would lean me that way. But then you've got to weigh up. He's had some injury concerns as well. Uh, Munster's had some issues on and off the field. Oh, it's a tough one. Tough one. I'm picking Munster. Mm. Oh, maybe because I'm just so burnt from what he's done to us in origin. Yeah, I, I, I just think he's... Well, they're both unbelievable, let's face it. Whoever, whichever one's going, you need good leadership around them. That's what you do need. And I know Wayne Bennett's there, but Wayne Bennett's not 
catching and passing either. So I reckon they, they're, they're, whoever leads that club, oof, so important. It'd be such a blow for the Storm if he leaves because on the back page of the Herald, we know that Brandon Smith's leaving. Bread and cheese is the headline here and uh, saying that, you know, he gave up over $200,000 to join the Roosters from Melbourne. And apparently Craig Bellamy was absolutely mm. furious that he left. Uh, but he's leaving on good terms by showing his actions on the field and on the training paddock this year. And uh, we just saw a glimpse of his brilliance again, was it against uh, it was against the Panthers, wasn't it, in that 16-0 win when he scored that try the other week, Loz? And uh, with him back in backfiring, uh, it's helped the Storm come from that four-game losing run, and he was suspended for a portion of that as well. And uh, if he can somehow propel them to a grand final again, well, he will leave that club, you know, in really good shape. Oh, yeah, he's been terrific. Brendan Smith and all the big guns have started to fire. Um, just a couple of weeks out from the finals. The other one with Cameron Munster as well, Widow. Where do you play him? Do you play him at six or you play him at one? And I think as a one, we've seen his value. Um, I think as a six, um, while he's a very, very good number six, I've I got a feeling his best position is fullback, where he doesn't have to do a lot of defending. He doesn't have to think a lot um, in attack in terms of you know, getting the boys around and helping take a bit of pressure off the halfback. He can just float at the back of the field and just bob up where he wants to. And I know he's been named at six again this weekend, but I'd be shocked if he doesn't play fullback for the rest of the year. I, I, th- I think that's where his best position is. And it's no surprise, since they've moved him back to fullback, Storm have found their rhythm again. I note that Felice Cafusi is back this week, is named in his standard position on an edge with Nelson at prop. Loz, and you've been trumpeting Big Nelson to stay there on an edge, but who knows how Craig Bellamy will play when it comes to the actual game. Yeah, if I'm the Roosters, I'm planning for Nelson to be on the edge at some stage. I don't know whether he will start there, but I think at some point in time, uh, he'll be running at Sam Walker or Luke Keary. I I just can see that happening this weekend. And he's been such a, a dominant figure on that edge over the last couple of weeks. He's, he's just getting through plenty of minutes. He's been dangerous, carries the ball strongly. And as I said, if he's not knocking blokes over when he's carrying the ball and, and offloading or making a line break, he's playing the ball quickly so Melbourne can go off the back of that ruck. So it, it's a good position for Craig to be in where he's experimented because he had to with Nelson because there was no Felice Kafusi there and it's worked out a treat for him. Welcome back to the Big Sports Breakfast. We've got Dick Fane coming up shortly from over in the States. Big news in the NBA overnight. Kevin Durant is staying at the Brooklyn Nets after all. At least the Nets say they've put out a statement. So Aussies Ben Simmons and Paddy Mills will have arguably the best player in the game at the moment. Still at their club for the season coming up with Kyrie Irving there as well. It could be very interesting to see how that all gels together, particularly for Ben Simmons, who has not played a game of NBA basketball for now more than 12 months. Uh, We're going to do an NFC preview with Dick as well shortly as we close in on the start of the NFL season. Uh, If you're just tuning in overnight, well, late late last night, James Tamo got a downgrade to to his grade three contrary conduct charge. So it's a grade two in the end of one week suspension. So he's free to play Canberra at Leichhardt in what will be the final game of the home and away season on a Sunday week. Um, now, also yesterday, there was a press conference in Melbourne. George Cambosis and Devin Haney. And it is confirmed. They're set to fight. October 16, Rod Laver Arena, the rematch. Now, there was a text here earlier. Yeah, hey, boys, Cambosis is kidding taking this rematch with Haney. Well, if you're Cambosis, uh, Loz, you got to take the rematch because he's got the belts. You want them back. You don't give up world title fights just like that. No, you don't. And he was convincingly beaten, wasn't he, um, George, in that, that first fight? But and he was a man of his word that said he'd give him a uh, another opportunity down there in Melbourne. So George is going to have to fight differently. He's going to go on the attack or have to go on the attack because, uh, you know, that first fight looked as though Haney had him covered and everything that he tried to do. But... Um, you know, he's, he's very confident that he can get the job done. The, the big thing that came out of that press conference yesterday, Mido, was the fact that he said if he loses, he's retiring. Yeah. That's it. All over. 
always take retirement calls from boxers with a grain of salt. But yeah. but he did say he's not going to come back on the domestic scene and fight domestic fighters. He can understand that considering how long he's been away and, uh, and you know, when you've who been he fighting has the fought. Big blokes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, when you've been fighting the big dogs, you, you don't want to go back and, you know, play under 23s type of thing when you've been playing first grade and representative football all your life. I mean, he's, you know, won all those belts. He lost them to Haney and he gets an another opportunity to reclaim them. But he's going to have to fight well. Market's giving him next to no chance. He's a similar price to what he was when he beat Tiafimo Lopez, though, at the end of last year. He's $6 with Tab, Cambosis. Haney thirteen. From memory, they jumped about, I think, uh, Cambosis was about $2.80 uh, when he jumped on uh, Sunday, June 5 at Marvel Stadium when he lost that bout by unanimous decision, and Haney was somewhere around the dollar forty mark, maybe. Who's got the most improvement left in them? Do you think? Oh, I think. Well, Haney's only twenty three loss. Yeah, that's the thing. Oh. Clarky, what do you reckon? I want to see George do well, but I reckon Haney's a different league. I, I, I just, I, just I even, I even think in their, their, in their fight, I reckon he was in third gear. I reckon he's still just. His defence was the key. Um, so quick. Just, George couldn't lay a punch on him. So, yeah, I, I want to be wrong, but oh, I'd be very surprised if George beats him. How are you, Dick? Enjoying some beautiful Seattle summertime weather before the uh, the clouds come and football season comes and I sit inside for six months in a row and watch telly. <laughs> Dick, let's start with LeBron James. Did you meet him on the weekend? Well, I didn't personally meet him, but uh, LeBron James made a surprising announcement on Instagram uh, on Thursday saying he was going to come to Seattle and join Jamal Crawford's Pro-Am. For a little background, Jamal Crawford, uh, for my money, is the greatest NBA player ever to come out of the city of Seattle. Uh, He has given back. Uh, profoundly to his hometown, uh, not only with donations, but also he puts together a pro-am each summer and he brings NBA players uh, to this pro-am. So uh, we've had Kevin Durant in the past. We've had some big names in the past, but we've never had a, we've never had a, a personality like LeBron. And it was fascinating, guys. I got there about uh, five hours in advance. I thought it was supposed to start at 1 o'clock, so I saw all these lead-up games with my son, and, and finally uh, the, the main show started at, at 5.30, and it featured Jason Tatum. It featured the number one and number two picks in the NBA draft, Chet Holmgren and Paolo Bancaro. Uh, it featured Isaiah Thomas. It was it was unbelievable, and if, but, of course, those guys just walked onto the floor with almost no fanfare because everybody was focused on the door to the locker room waiting for LeBron to come out. And when he came out, I mean, there is a reason he is called the king, guys, because there are very few people on this planet that could draw the type of attention that LeBron James drew. Uh, you know, you can check my Twitter for a, a video of LeBron James coming out. And, and remember, you know, this was only about a 2,500-seat arena because normally, you know, 1,500, 2,000 people show up to watch these pro-ams. And LeBron, uh, you know, he, he said he was coming so quickly in advance, they didn't have a chance to move the venue. So it was, uh, it was amazing just to see the fanfare surrounding LeBron James, and uh, it was fun to watch him play as well. From one superstar to another, just before we get into our NFC preview, Dick, uh, Kevin Durant news uh, overnight or there during the day that the Brooklyn Nets will still be his club at the start of next season, at least. At least the Nets say this. So uh, we're particularly looking forward to seeing how he gels with Ben Simmons in particular. Uh, Are you still, is the word still that Kyrie Irving will be a net as well by the time the season comes around? Well, if they've got Kevin Durant figured out, uh, I would imagine that Kyrie Irving was uh, a paramount discussion point when Kevin Durant uh, talked to uh, Sean Marks and and, uh, Steve Nash and the rest of the the ownership group as well. And so I would imagine that the, the, the big three will play together. And I was just thinking today, guys, I mean, has there... I can't think of a team in American sports, certainly in recent history that had more fanfare over the last 12 months that did less than 
two of our NBA teams, the Brooklyn Nets and the Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, those two teams were favored to represent their conference in the NBA Finals. And one of them failed to make the playoffs, and the other one was bouncing the first round. I mean, it was just it was just unbelievable failure by the two biggest brands, at least right now, in the NBA going into last season. And so uh, they can only go up. I don't know how much they're going to go up. I don't think the Brooklyn Nets are a great team. Uh, I think they'll be able to look tremendous offensively at times. I think they're probably a defensive liability. Uh, they're definitely good enough to make the playoffs, but I don't see them competing favorably with teams like the the Boston Celtics in the East. What about in the NFL, Dick? And before we start to talk about the AFC, what did you make of Deshaun Watson getting 11 games? Um, I think we didn't hear much of an uproar one way or the other. So I guess that tells me that the punishment was fair. Um, if it would have only been extended you know, a couple games, uh, six to seven, we probably would have heard, uh, the, you know, the pound of flesh people saying, no, it needed to be much, much more. I think if it would have gone to a full year, we would have heard the other side saying, this is ridiculous. He already sat, sat a year out. You're going to suspend him another another year when he wasn't even convicted of a crime. So uh, I, I think uh, I think 11 games. Um, I, I'm glad it came out before the beginning of the regular season to kind of give the Browns an indicator of what they're going to need to do. I just think the Browns are going to be in too big of a hole, guys, and we'll get into that with our preview. I mean, I, I just think the Browns are going to be in too big of a hole with 11 games of Jacoby Brissett to be able to dig themselves out of it and just, uh, you know, at the, the end of the last month and a half of the season to make the playoffs. I just don't think that's happening this year for Cleveland. Okay, the NFC East. Let's start to with, well, well, some call it the NFC least, but Dallas $2.15, the favourite. Philadelphia $2.75. And we've got a text here from uh, Sean from Penrith saying he's had a futures bet on Philadelphia to win the NFC East at $15. Must have got that quite a while ago. Washington at $6, the Giants at 8 How do you see that division playing out? You know what, boys? I uh, I either made a mistake or I had more time on my hands because I actually researched the AFC. Okay, let's do the AFC guys. then. Sorry. All right, let's do the AFC, and we'll do. I'll do the easy week next week. No worries. <laughs> or the mate. easy conference next no week. Worries. I apologize. Okay, let's go AFC East then. Buffalo a dollar forty-five. New England five dollars. Miami five fifty. The Jets twenty-six bucks. Biggest slam dunk in the AFC. Uh, the the one team in the AFC that I would be absolutely stunned if they didn't win their division is the Buffalo Bills. So I've got them win that division by a good three, potentially four games over Miami and New England. Uh, Miami and New England appear to be teams that are going to be competing for a playoff spot. Uh, they're going to be right there at the end trying to get that wild card, but I see Buffalo running away in this division. Let's go to the north then. Baltimore, $2.45, the favorites. Cincinnati, who won this division last year, went to the Super Bowl, 270, Cleveland, 475, and Pittsburgh, $9. Yeah, you know, the, the value, guys, I've actually got Pittsburgh in second place in this division and only a game behind Baltimore. I know there's a big question mark at quarterback, and that obviously is going to be, uh, you know, that's obviously problematic. But if they can just get decent quarterback play, and remember, they didn't have great quarterback play over the last couple of years with Big Ben either, and they were still uh, very competitive. So I have Baltimore winning the division, but if you want value, you mentioned $9 for Pittsburgh to win that division. I think that division's pretty up in the air, so there's a little bit of value there on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's go to the AFC South. Indianapolis, $1.75 favorites. Oh, gee, they were disappointing last year. Tennessee, $2.60. Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence, year two, $8. Houston, $26. I got Indian Tennessee in a dead heat right there. Um, I, I leaned towards Indianapolis. I don't know if any team in that division wins 10 games. I, I think the division winner in that game and in that division probably has the worst record of any other division winner in the AFC, maybe even any other division winner in all of the NFL. I, I got Indy just edging out Tennessee. I think Jacksonville's a nice surprise though, guys. I, I think, uh, I think it was a disaster last year with Urban Meyer. Uh, I think they're going to be a much improved team. Trevor Lawrence has got a year under his belt. Um, bringing in Christian Kirk as a target. Uh, they got a pretty good, uh, pretty well-established running game as well. So uh, I like Jacksonville not as a playoff team, but a team kind of knocking on the door. And I wouldn't be stunned at all if Jacksonville was still in the playoff conversation with a week or two left to go, simply because I don't think Indianapolis or Tennessee are great football teams. 
What about the AFC West, Dick? I mean, the quarterbacks uh, in this group is pretty special. You've got the Raiders, um, Denver, and the Chiefs, and the, and the Chargers. And the, uh, Kansas, obviously, uh, uh, the favourites, $2.60. Then you've got the Chargers, $3.25. The Broncos, three seventy-five, and And the, the Raiders at $6.50. How do you see this playing out? Very, you know, we could actually see a flip in the in the division from last year where it went Chiefs, Raiders, Chargers, Broncos. I don't have it predicted just like that, but I do have the two teams that finished third and fourth in the division last year finishing first and second. I've got the Chargers first. I got Denver second. I've got Kansas City third and Las Vegas fourth. And Kansas City is a, a better team than Indianapolis and Tennessee, but I have them finishing with the same record as Indianapolis and Tennessee simply because Kansas City has to play that division twice. They've got to play the Chargers twice, Denver twice, the the Raiders twice, whereas Indianapolis and Tennessee, they get Jacksonville twice and Houston twice. So you can be a worse team in the NFL, but have an easier schedule and end up still with a 9-8 and record. But uh, wouldn't be surprised at all if three teams from that division made the playoffs. Right now, I have only two teams making the playoffs. I may adjust it, uh, you know, before the season starts, but... uh, all four of those teams are legitimate playoff contenders. And that's probably the only division in football, guys, where you can say four teams, all four teams in the division are legitimate playoff contenders. Okay, so you've gone the Chargers to win the West at 325 with Tab. Uh, you've lent Indianapolis at $1.75 in the AFC South. And Buffalo, the, the obvious choice in the AFC East, $1.45. Who'd you say in the North again, Dick? In the North, Baltimore. Baltimore. So you've gone yeah. uh, Baltimore 245 with Pittsburgh a smoky at $9. Okay, who wins the NFC and goes to the Super Bowl? This is getting way ahead of ourselves, I know, but we love a futures play. I just think there's, I just think there's a gap between two teams and the rest of the conference. I, I think the Buffalo Bills and the L.A. Chargers are the two most talented teams in the conference. Uh, the Chargers, shockingly, did not make the playoffs last year because Brandon Staley uh, went a little too hormonal in his fourth down play calling. He cost his team two separate games, I believe, the very final game that would have gotten him in the playoffs uh, and a loss to the Chargers uh, going for it uh, numerous times on bizarre fourth downs, costing his team points. He did it earlier in the season against Kansas City. Uh, Let's hope for Charger fans' sake that he learns from his mistakes because I really think he was the one that prevented a very talented team from getting into the playoffs. Justin Herbert has yet to get paid. You know I love elite quarterbacks that have yet to get paid because that means the rest of their team can get paid. And so you have better depth around that elite quarterback when he hasn't been paid yet. So give me Buffalo and the L.A. Chargers with – I I think it's Josh Allen's time, guys. I think it's Josh Allen's time. And who knows, I may even have Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills winning the Super Bowl, but you're going to have to wait till next week to find that out. Okay, there you go. So a potential (laughs) AFC championship game between the Bills, who are paying $3.50 to win the AFC, and the Chargers, $7.50 to win the AFC. Uh, Love it, Dick. We better get a tip for the Tour Championship in Atlanta off you. You know, guys, there are certain tournaments that you can just every single year bet the same guy and feel good about it. We've talked about that with Jordan Spieth at the Masters. You can just kind of put him in. I think Cam Cam Smith might, might be another guy that you can just put in at the Masters year after year and feel good about it. Xander Schauffele just loves Eastlake. And he's playing better going into this Tour Championship than he has in some of the Tour Championships past. Uh, he's going to be uh, behind a few shots to start. I don't think that makes uh, too big of a deal. I think it's uh, definitely close enough. Heck, he was behind a few strokes last year, and by the end of the first round, he was tied for first place. So he made up that gap uh, in the first day. So uh, give me Xander Schauffele to win the Tour Championship. Okay, and he's paying $8.50, including the starting scores. Tab's got... A market for including the scores and excluding the starting scores. And he's $13 in the market, excluding the starting scores. Uh, thanks so much, Dick, as always. All right, boys, we'll talk to you. We'll give you some NFC next week. Uh, seeing some texts here about the tab app and uh, difficulties to listen. We'll just forward that to the tech guys and hopefully they can sort it out. Sorry uh, about that. Uh, but here's some good news. We've got another lunch on. The Big Sports Breakfast Grand Final Lunch. It's on again. Join the entire Big Sports Breakfast team. The Grand Pavilion at Rose Hill Racecourse. It's on Wednesday 
September 28th. So grand final week, the midweek Rose Hill race meet will be in full swing. Yeah, there you go. You've got a rare midweek meeting there at Rose Hill on that particular day. The team's going to take you through an afternoon. Stacks of laughs, good food, good company. As you'll mingle with NRL and Racing Royalty, Sky Racing's analysts will guide you through the Rose Hill card that afternoon and preview Saturday's big tab Epsom day as well as final fields are declared there that afternoon. The Epsom Barrier draw, I'm sure, will be done the day before and uh, do their best to send you home a winner. So tickets are available now to get involved in the Big Sports Breakfast Grand Final Lunch, Rose Hill, September 28. Just go to australianturfclub.com.au. Australianturfclub.com.au. You ready for another one, pup? Are we going? What about you? <laughs> Mate, <laughs> at the other lunch yeah. in February, mm-hmm. you were best on ground because you just sat at yeah. table one and drank. sledged everyone. And drank. And drank. Yeah. yeah. I drank before I got there. I drank during and I drank after. Got on stage. Yeah. Drinking. Didn't let anyone speak. Just just chipped. Yeah. yeah. I chipped was just, away. Just in that mood. Just uh, It was like I had the red boots on. I was just ready for a sledgeathon. Oh, that's right. We, we, we auctioned them. Yeah, we gave, got T. Got, Berry got rid of the red boots. I have T. to find another pair, actually. T. Berry loved his suspension that day, Loz. He oh, did. We, he had a good yeah, had a few, day as well. Tommy, he kicked off. Tommy had a few. He was at the pub with us afterwards. He was. I think Mrs. B came and picked him up. Um, so, hang on. September 28th, that's a Wednesday. That's a Wednesday. So, up. surely Grand we get Thursday week. morning off. That would be handy. You can take that up with the uh, powers yeah, that I'm, be. I'm not coming in. I'll be. You got more pull than me. I'll be hung. I'll be dusty <laughs> as. You don't want me on radio like that. That's dangerous. Jono will be on the buzzer every five minutes. Mm. Yeah, I think so. I'm calling Thursday off. Loza, don't come in Thursday, buddy. Take it easy. Uh, Go hard Wednesday. Oh, late I've got one. To work Wednesday night. Wednesday night, and then chill <laughs> Thursday. Yeah. No, I've got to work Wednesday night. What do you Busy mean? Busy week. Busy week. Oh, oh, that's going to be awesome. Oh, I know, I know. Can Only you do TV a little dusty? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you probably could. Well, I'm taking Thursday off, Mitter. You and Loz come in. <laughs> Gee, you're a team player. You two, you two come in Thursday. I'll promise I'll be in Friday. Uh, stacks of games this morning in the League Cup. And uh, there's... Real shock result looming. Fulham obviously promoted to the Premier League. A 2-0 down against Crawley. Uh, Now, Crawley, I believe, I think they're in in League 2. They are in League 2. So, and uh, I think running near last in League 2. So, that would be a shock result. Fulham, I haven't seen their team. They're probably playing no one. But still, uh, to be in the Premier League and trailing 2-0, against a League 2, a lowly League 2 team. Not good. So 2-0 in that game. Everton have won against Fleetwood. 1-0. Some other Premier League teams here in action. Aston Villa have won at Bolton. 4-1. What else have we got here? Southampton have won at Cambridge United. 3-0. So there's a stack of League League Cup second-round matches happening this morning. Jamie Rogers, morning to you. Well, good morning, guys, and good morning to all of our listeners. Happy Wednesday, everybody. And, boys, Nick Kyrgios was in the paper for multiple reasons yesterday and none really to do with tennis. Um, You mentioned it at the top of the show, Jared, where a tennis fan that Nick Kyrgios accused of being drunk during his Wimbledon final intends to sue for defamation. Now, she said his comments where he yelled out saying that she's drunk out of her mind and that it looks like she's consumed about 700 drinks, bro. Um, were reckless and entirely baseless. And she said the reason why she particularly wants to go and sue for defamation is to pretty much clear clear her name because she was kicked out of the venue for a short period of time. Now, she is a medical lawyer. And she said as well that these allegations were broadcast internationally and worldwide and read by millions, and it caused both herself and her family very substantial damage and distress. And she has made it very clear that any damages recovered will be donated to charity. And it's pretty much also just basically said to Nick, you just need to be careful about what you say, especially to people out in the crowd. And apparently she was actually cheering for Nick. So I'm not sure if that's actually in the truth, but she seemed to believe that she was on his side, not against him when he was trying to serve against Novak. Just something else for, for Nick. And also yesterday as well, his uh, solicitor asked for 
three-month adjournment for his assault case. And yep. he was given six weeks. So he's adjourned until October 4. Yeah. So as you said, uh, his lawyer did ask for it to be adjourned until three months. And the magistrate knocked that back, basically saying we can't all bend and suit our schedules to suit your international tennis one. So they want it to be November 25. But instead, it's been moved until October 4. We know now that he, he is obviously in America preparing for the US Open. So he wasn't there yesterday. Um, but we will keep all our listeners up to date off the back of the November October 4 hearing. Kevin Durant uh, staying at the Brooklyn Nets, JR. Yeah, so we spoke about this back in June and he asked for a trade and it's going to be interesting because he basically said to the owners to choose him over coach Steve Nass and the general manager, Sean Marks. Now that was back in June and he gave them the option and said either me or I'll go and you keep those two. They've all now agreed to just move forward, put whatever issues those trio had behind them, and instead they're just going to focus on bringing a championship to Brooklyn. And and as we always said, when he's healthy, he's the best player in the league, or certainly one of the best players in the league. So it's going to be really interesting to see how Ben Simmons gels with him, but also keeping an eye on what on earth is going to happen with Kyrie Irving. And guys, also just quickly while we're talking about basketball, Lauren Jackson... We have spoken about her multiple times. We love Lauren at 41. She is set to add another chapter to probably one of the greatest sporting comebacks of the year that we've seen. So we know she's going to represent the Opals at this year's World Cup in Sydney, but it's also come out this morning that she's going to play for Southside Flyers in this year's WNBL season. So she's just continuing to go from strength to strength. It's great to see at 41, she's still doing so well. Yeah, unreal. She hasn't played in the WNBL since 2016. Um, so she's back after a six-year absence there, nine years since she's played for Australia and will play for the Opals, as JR mentioned, at the World Cup coming. I think that's next month, actually, that's that's very much looming, mm. that World Cup. But that is one of the, the great comeback stories. That can't be understated. Lauren Jackson, 41 yeah, amazing, years of age, yeah. pup. Amazing. Bring it. Yep. Bring, bring yourself back now. No. Seven years post-retirement. <laughs> no. No, that's why I uh, tip my hat. When was, when was the last time you, you put the pads on? Six years ago. What, did you West play some? Suburbs. Oh, you, you played, played for West Post. I think I played two club games after I retired from international yeah. cricket. How'd you go? I got 99 in one game. <laughs> <coughs> uh, out or not out? Not out. I think we needed two to win and my partner hit a four or a six. Not that I cared. We won, which was nice. And then the other game I made maybe 10. I think we won one, lost one. Mm. Mm. 99. Hurt. That would hurt. Fielding hurt. Mm. No, 99 didn't hurt. Fielding. Fielding okay. hurt. Just chasing that Had little ball. Yeah. yeah. You can't keep a slip the whole day in a 2020. And I tried. I think for 16 out of 20 overs, I had a slip. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. No, I don't miss it. You don't? Ca- Captain didn't send you to final league? No, he kept me in the ring. Just come a bit closer, so I have to yeah. run, just catch and dive. And I did that. <laughs> West Suburbs catch goes, uh, Clark, you just, just down a fine leg, please, yeah. mate. He asked me to bowl, and I was like, <laughs> man, I don't think that's a good idea for anyone's sake. <laughs> good on you, Jay. I'll be back with the news at seven. Give us a call, 135353. Uh, Andrew Fafida uh, yesterday uh, set to leave the club, he announced, after 11 seasons there at the Sharks. He's open to playing elsewhere next year, but will eventually have a job as a cultural advisor back at the Sharks. So 246 games in the NRL, 207 of those for the Sharks, 39 for the Tigers, where he played for the first two years of his NRL career. Um, Naturally, that 2016 Premiership stands above all else. And, uh, well... His try proved the difference in the end with, what, about 12 minutes to go in their victory, their 14-12 victory over the Melbourne Storm. He's uh, been polarising over the course of his career, Loz, but uh, certainly been humbled, uh, particularly with that very scary experience we saw him endure, uh, well, pretty much 12 months ago when he suffered a fractured larynx. And uh, at one stage, it was touch and go whether he'd even survive. Yeah, he spent five days in a coma up there in Queensland and... It was a horrible time for he and his family. He thought he was not going to survive and didn't really know um, when it happened what the ramifications were going to be. He was obviously in in the dressing shed and struggled with breathing and they took him outside. They had to call the ambulance and then they had to rush him to hospital. And he's made a remarkable recovery, Andrew Fafida, and he's just starting to 
to get back to his, his best football. Uh, he's been a, a good pick-up for the Sharkies. Um, no one can deny his performance in that grand final uh, where he was outstanding. He was close to the best player on the paddock that day. He scored that try, which basically won the game for the Sharks in their first ever premiership. Still got a little bit more to offer, uh, but he's got a big decision to make whether he you know, runs around again for one season in the NRL or goes and spends a bit of time over there in England. There's been some talk that he could join his brother over there in the English Super League, and he'd be a hit over there. There'd be no doubt about that, but whether he wants to uproot his family and go across the other side of the world or not, we'll wait and see. But he's been promised a job at the Sharks as a cultural advisor. Um, so I think he's just going to see how it all plays out. But if he thinks he can still go around again, uh, he'd be well worthwhile having in your squad. No doubt it'll come down to money in the cap, etc. cetera, Loz. But Wade Graham, 32 years of age, still I think he's got a lot to offer uh, for the Sharks. do they? How hard do they work to ensure that they're still together for next season? They've got a lot of good young forwards coming through, but I just think he's still... He still can be a weapon and, and, and so valuable for that yeah, club. Yeah, well, you can't underestimate leadership as well, Mido. Um, you know, and for Fida moving on, you've still got Wade Graham there. You're losing a lot of experience in one go. But again, it comes down to the honesty of Craig Fitzgibbon and what role he sees Wade Graham playing. And it won't just be about on-field, it'll be about off-field as well. Um, you know, and there might be some discussions around, well, Wade, you know, you, you might not play all 24 games next year. You know, we've got a group of young edge back rowers here that we need to put a bit of time and develop it uh, into, which we've done in the last couple of years, and they're ready to go. So you might play that bits and pieces role, whether it's coming off the bench or whether we need you to start. But I, I think all those discussions will be had. But Wade Graham, I don't think you could lose him. He's still, if he's still got a bit to offer, uh, not only for what he does on the field, but also off the field. Got Peter on the line. Morning, Peter. Oh, g'day, fellas. How are you going? Yeah, pretty good. Thanks, mate. Yourself? Yeah, it's still an outstanding show, boys. Keep it up. Oh, thank you, mate. Um, I, I read you blokes a while back about uh, Bonnie Hancock um, paddling around. Oh, yes. Yeah, you, you're, um, you're her uncle. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, but that, that's where it ends, mate. She didn't get any ability from me. <laughs> um, but um, she finishes Sunday. She set two world records on the trip. And um, she, she paddles into Mermaid Beach on Sunday morning at about 7 o'clock. Unreal. We'll have to get her on the show. We'll have to yeah. get her on the show and uh, see, uh, speak about, I'm sure, there's been trials and tribulations. Well, she did end up in hospital at one point, didn't she? Yeah, well, she, she, she fought seasickness down in the, in the bike a fair way. She, um, she got really seasick down there. Um, but, look. I'll leave her to tell the story. It's, it's been fascinating. It really has. I have no yeah. doubt. Oh, that is an incredible yeah. achievement. Circumnavigating yeah. Australia on a surf ski. Clark, you just no, try and contemplate that no, for a thanks. second. Nope. Not for me. Unbelievable. I'm sure some of the sea life she's encountered oh, as well. Right. I couldn't do it on a 100-foot boat. Can, can you give us a little no taste chance. of something she's endured, Peter? Just... Yeah, get her, get her to show you the picture of the saltwater croc that wanted to follow us. Oh, <laughs> no way. Jeez. My God. I'm... See, you're thinking sharks, and then there's a saltwater croc. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, no Peter, th- thanks for letting us know. So Mermaid Beach, Sunday morning, anyone uh, around that no, Gold listen. Coast area, that will be so- some scene to see Bonnie Hancock Coming to the shore there after circumnavigating Australia, the coast of Australia, on a surf ski. Gee, we've got some great athletes in this country, especially extreme athletes. Peter, really appreciate the call, mate. We've got Brucey on the line. G'day, Brucey. Hey, boys. Yeah, good, mate. Yourself? Oh, I was going to talk about Ben Hart's contract, but to be honest, I don't really care. I haven't spoken to Clarky since you got back from Europe, mate. How are you, buddy? <laughs> All right. You know, I, want, I want to know the numbers and how many different flags you picked up. Yeah, probably not the appropriate time or place for this convo, Brucey, unfortunately, but I had a good time. Put it that way. You had a good time, eh? I had a good time. Yeah, I uh, went to a few different venues. I did... Where did I do? South of France, Italy, Greece, and Paris. City of love. City of love to finish mm. with a handful of mates. And, yeah, how do we have a time? 
So I've seen one photo with a, a blonde over there. That's not the new... Five blonde? Years. What do you mean? No way. I wouldn't have been with a blonde, would I? <laughs> uh, just doing my best, mate. That's all I am. Just doing my best. Carl dyes hair. Carl didn't dye his hair, no. How about you get me a ticket to luncheon? Yeah. And, and we, you, you might as well have the rest of the week off. I agree. Uh-huh. Let's do a test match. Let's do a five-dayer. Mate, five day, let's go. I'm in. Boat. You bring the boat, I'll bring the entourage. Yeah, <laughs> I'm in for sure. <laughs> uh, Brucey, we'll have a wow of a time. Did you want to mention Ben Hunt's contract at all, Brucey? <laughs> uh, hopefully they re-sign him, but... To be honest, we need a bit more than him. Like we've had him for the last how many years? We still can't make the eight. So we need another big signing, either a second row or a front row, or obviously a hooker too. So what they do with Jaden Sullivan, I don't know. It's, it's uh, trying to work it out. Trying to work it out. What do you make of the coach, Brucey? Well, to be honest, yeah, I'd probably admit not much. Not much. It's it's that, like he made he made signings like a half sort of. Very cheap, like Moses Emboy would. Like, to be honest, Moses Emboy, like, he was just taking up room in our team, pretty much. Like, he kept out the young blokes. Um, yeah, I, the problem is, who do you, where do you go? Who's, everyone says Shane Flanagan. Everyone says, like, who else? Like, throughout, they tried. Where do you go? Yeah, well, the certainly the the signings, I think, have raised eyebrows because. I don't think it's worth trying to get all those players sort of on the cheap. There's a bit of a money ball philosophy there at the Dragons. Yeah, not sure it's worked. But uh, then again, Loz, we've said before with the Dragons, where do we expect them to come this year? Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, money ball is good if you've got really good players in the squad and you've got game breakers. Like, you can pick up some guys that on cheap... Uh, money that are going to fit into your squad and, and do a really good job for you. But if you start relying on those players to win your competitions, you're not going to get there. You can't pick up too many of them and have them in your squad of 17 and expect to go really well. I, I don't think. Because there's a reason why they're paid the way they are. And there's a reason why they've been shifted on. Um, so the, the Dragons, you, you look at some of their players and they've got, they got some Decent players. I mean, Amon, the young 5'8", he, he's a good young talent. Ben Hunt's been outstanding all year. Cody Ramsey's a really good player. Uh, Zach Lomax, you know, Zach's got all the talent in the world, but he, he's ill-disciplined at, at, at times, and, and that lets him down. And, and he'll never go to that next step while he's got that ill-discipline in his game. But yet you can see a really outstanding player there. So, so they need to improve him. They need to get the best out in him. You've got, you've got Jack Bird there, who I don't know where his best position is, but he's good enough to be in that that side and, and starting. But their forward pack, to me, it just hasn't got that right balance and it needs a bit of work. The, the forward pack certainly needs a bit of work. Chicken Chow having a moment on the text line, Mido. Maybe the Saints should sign Brad Pitt as the new head of football. Hashtag Moneyball. Good movie. Adam Pengilly, morning to you, mate. Morning, Jared. Morning, boys. Uh, Marzu and Mars Crusader trialed yeah, yesterday, and uh, yeah, I like the trial of Marzu. Yeah, it looks sharp, didn't they, Jared? And Mars Crusader, uh, a lot better from what we've seen in the autumn. I think a lot of concerns that he might have lost his form in the autumn and his best days might be behind him. I know it's only a barrier trial, but he looks like he'd be moving pretty sweetly there under a little bit of riding from Willie Pike. But no doubt, Marzu looks like he's right back in the game. He trialed up nicely, not a lot of pressure, finished second behind O President. So he's right on track, heading towards the lead-up races towards the Everest. And... Uh, it's great to see a couple of sprinters back at the races soon. Yeah, and the Sam Domenico was on uh, the weekend and best of Bordeaux tops the betting. Yeah, I'm fascinated to see how he goes, Loz. I reckon he could be the two-year-old from last season that graduates to the, as a spring three-year-old and really steps up to take on the open-age sprinters. I don't know what Casey Fogden is thinking about later in the campaign, but there is a big carrot. Obviously, there in a couple of months, with was holding a, a slot in the Everest. Whether he measures up to that company or not, I suppose we're going to find out pretty soon, but... This sort of the year we were trying, the time of year we sort of try and uh, obviously the, the form's melting between each other. The two-year-old form from last year and a lot of the early season three-year-old form horses like Zuccarino and Spacewalk who came out of the roads but have that run under their belt. I think $2.30 for best of Bordeaux at the moment. 
is probably short enough as it stands at the moment. Wait to see how that barrier draw comes out a little bit later this morning. But uh, from what he did in the slipper in the autumn, can't wait to see him back at the races there on the weekend. Who are the finalists for the Australian Racehorse of the Year? Well, I'll be stunned, Jared, if uh, Very Elegant doesn't... Oh, sorry, not Very Elegant. Nature Strip doesn't win this award this year, given what he achieved last season. They don't actually announce a group of finalists for the overall award, but have finalists for all the different categories. But I'd imagine that Nature Strip's probably going to be a, a, a long odds-on favourite to win that award, given what he achieved last season. Obviously, winning in Everest a couple of group ones ago with it, and then obviously winning the Kingstand Stakes over there in Royal Ascot, which fits in as part of the qualifying criteria and makes him pretty much an unbackable favourite to win that award. I wouldn't be surprised to see Zaki some votes as well as maybe Animo and Incentivise. And we forget that Incentivise, even though he didn't race in the autumn, he had that enormous spring carnival, didn't he, winning the Maccabi D with the Turnbull Stakes, obviously the Caulfield Cup, and then running second to very early in the Melbourne Cup. So I'd imagine if he didn't uh, have those issues and missed the autumn and maybe won one or two more Group 1s in the autumn, he would have been right in the mix. But I think as it stands at the moment, very hard to look past Nature Strip winning the Australian Race Horse of the Year for the last season. Anything stand out for you today at Kensington? Yeah, I'm very boring today, Loz. Uh, race two, number two, Zoo Tiger, the best on the program. Looks a bit of a tricky meeting for me today, and he looks the bank for mine. Uh, two runs as a two-year-old last campaign were both pretty good. He's come back his latest trial. He pushed out and found the line really nicely. I think from that whitish gate, not too much of a concern if Jane Matt's sort of push forward and fell in the first three or four. Looks like he's going to be extremely hard to hold out. So that's race two, number two, Zoo Tiger. I know he's short, but it might be sweet. $2.25 with Tabby Zoo Tiger, race two, number two today. Thank you, Adam. Hey, boys.